invite Nelson to come forward and share our first scripture reading this morning, which is taken from the prophet Jeremiah. morning. Reading from the prophet Jeremiah, chapter 2, verses 4 to 13. In your pew Bibles, it's on page 1170. Hear the word. Hear the word of the Lord, O house of Jacob, all you clans of the house of Israel. This is what the Lord says. What fault did your fathers find in me that they strayed so far from me? They followed worthless idols and became worthless themselves. They did not ask, Where is the Lord who brought us up out of Egypt and led us through the barren wilderness, through a land of deserts and rifts, a land of drought and darkness, a land where no one travels and no one lives? I brought you into a fertile land to eat its fruit and rich produce, but you came and defiled my land and made my inheritance detestable. The priests did not ask, Where is the Lord? Those who deal with the law did not know me. The leaders rebelled against me. The prophets prophesied by Baal, following worthless idols. Therefore I bring charges against you again, declares the Lord, and I will bring charges against your children's children. Cross over to the coast of Kittim and look. Send to Kadar and observe closely. See if there has ever been anything like this as a nation ever changed its gods, yet they are not gods at all. But my people have exchanged their glory for worthless idols. Be appalled at this, O heavens, and shudder with great horror, declares the Lord. My people have committed two sins. They have forsaken me, the spring of living water, and have dug their own cisterns, broken cisterns that cannot hold water. Here ended the reading. May the Lord write these words upon our hearts with love and with understanding. This is the word of the Lord. I'm going to invite Melinda to come forward and share our second reading, which is taken from the Gospel according to Luke. As the time approached for him to be taken up to heaven, Jesus resolutely set out for Jerusalem, and he sent messengers on ahead who went into a Samaritan village to get things ready for him. But the people there did not welcome him because he was heading for Jerusalem. When the disciples James and John saw this, they asked, Lord, Do you want us to call fire down from heaven and destroy them? But Jesus turned and rebuked them, and they went to another village, the coast of following Jesus. As they were walking along the road, a man said to him, I will follow you wherever you go. Jesus replied, replied, Foxes have holes, and birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has no place to lay his head. He said to another man, Follow me. But the man replied, Lord, first let me go and bury my father. 
Jesus said, Let the dead bury their own dead, but you go and proclaim the kingdom of God. Still another said, I will follow you, Lord, but first let me go back and say goodbye to my family. Jesus replied, No one who puts hands on the plow and looks back for is fit for service of the kingdom of God. You know, uh, there's a joke at ordination that when the bishop lays hands on you and puts a stole around your neck, that you really feel the weight of it. And you know, I did when I was ordained several years ago, I felt the weight of it. But let me tell you, I really felt the weight this morning. I don't know if that was Hal's hands around my neck or, uh, or what that was. But um, no, I, you know, it's what a joy and a privilege it really is to, to be here with you. And uh, I don't take any of this uh, lightly. And so I'm grateful for your support and your love. And Bob, thank you for being here this morning and for sharing those stoles. Isn't that an incredible gift, uh, really? And um, uh, Bill, your dad will live on in that way, and his ministry will carry on uh, because of that. So, so thank you all. Friends, let's pray. God, as we come this morning needing a word from you, a word of hope, a word of, of mercy, for the living of these days. God, meet us where we are, but by your grace, do not leave us where you found us. God, we pray that this morning our hearts would be kindled by the fire of your Holy Spirit. Shape us and mold us into the people that you would have us be. We pray in Christ's name and for his sake. Amen. It was August of 2013, and my wife and I were traveling to Maine, where I'm from, to go back for a little vacation. And we had this idea that instead of finding a hotel or a motel, we would camp. That was our first mistake. I had reached out to a campground in New Hampshire. My family's way up in Maine. So kind of when you get to the Maine-New Hampshire border from here, that's about halfway. So we decided we would make it to somewhere in New Hampshire. We would camp there, and then the next day we would do the second leg of the journey to my grandmother's house on the coast of eastern Maine. So I found a campground online. I, had, um, I called up and I got a voice uh, a machine. Maybe that alone should have given me pause, but it didn't. So I left a message looking for information, wanting to inquire about rates and when they were open and this and that. Didn't get a call back, but I had it. I, this was back before you know GPS uh, systems were sort of ubiquitous on all of our cell phones. I went to the library and went to mapquest.com, printed out the directions to where we needed to go, We had the campground, we had the tent, we had sleeping bags, we had everything that we needed for a night of camping. And so we'd packed up, we were getting ready to go, and so we we set off, we made it through New York and Massachusetts, Connecticut, made it up into New Hampshire, I'm following along with the directions on my printed out MapQuest instructions. We're turning on to country road after country road, and Finally, we were on this rural highway, and there was a little gas station, and I said to Amanda, I said, 
maybe I'd better go in there and ask them for directions. But I still knew where I was going. <laughs> but, you know, to, to get Amanda to stop asking me, do you know where you're going? I said, you know what, I'll stop, I'll go in, I'll ask directions. They're going to tell me that it's exactly where it's supposed to be, and, uh, and we'll get there and we'll set up tent. Well, it's also getting to be dusk. And so we're thinking, okay, we're going to have to set up a tent in the dark, but you know what, that's no big deal, we can, we can do that. Well, I go into this little, uh, this little place, and sh- this person gives me directions, which, to be totally honest with you, I probably half listened to. Because I was right. I knew where I was going. I had my map quest directions. And far be it from me to admit I was wrong. So we keep going. I came out. I said, yeah, I got directions. It's exactly where we thought it was. So we keep going. Pretty soon, the, the rural paved country roads turn into dirt roads. And we end up in the middle of the woods where there's nothing. The road just ended. And you know what the map quest instructions told me at the bottom? You have arrived at your destination. <laughs> We're sitting there in the middle of the woods, no campground in sight. There's a little farmhouse a little ways away with their lights on. And I saw the porch light come on thinking, oh, this is like the setting of one of those horror movies, you know. <laughs> Here we are in the middle of the woods. There's this old farmhouse and the porch light just came on. I was expecting someone with a chainsaw to come chasing me through the field or something. I said, all right, we're going to turn around. I said, why don't we, why don't we, at this point, you know, I I had confession time with you all a few weeks ago. I'm not very patient. I'm not a very patient person. And at this time, I've just run out of patience. And anybody within any distance of me is experiencing my lack of patience. I said, all right, we're just going to go back to that store and we'll find other directions. So we went back and I said, okay, these, I brought in my map quest. I said, these directions that we got took us in the middle of the woods. I said, can you, and I said, I'm going to listen this time and write them down. Can you give me instructions? And this person graciously did. Wrote them down. We managed to get there. We did get to a campground, and guess what? Closed for the season. <laughs> At this point, there were some thoughts in my head. They're not appropriate, perhaps, for a pastor. Oh, I was angry. I get back in the car, and Amanda looks at me, and I said, don't say a word. (laughs) We got in there, and we went back to the highway. Eventually, we found a motel around 11 o'clock or midnight, hunkered down for the night, and then went the rest of the way the next day. Whenever Amanda and I go on a trip, she does not forget that one time. She does not forget it. You know, friends, if I had done my due diligence, if I had really reached out and followed up with phone calls to this campground, if I had gone on their website, which I did a couple days later and found that they were already closed for the season, if I had done a little bit more of the legwork necessary to plan and prepare, I would have known this ahead of time, and guess what wouldn't have happened? We wouldn't have gotten lost in the middle of the woods in New Hampshire I wouldn't have run out of patience and maybe lost my temper. And every time we go on a trip now, I wouldn't have to be reminded of that one time when. To use use a biblical phrase, friends, if I had counted the cost, 
ahead of time, I would have known what it would have taken to successfully plan that trip and to not end up directionless, angry, out of patience in the middle of the New Hampshire woods. Did you hear what Melinda read for us this morning from Luke? Jesus goes out and He's calling people to follow. And what do they say? Well, first I have to go attend to this at home. Or I really got some pressing family issues. Hold on a minute, Jesus. Let me take care of that and then I'll follow you. These are people who want to follow, don't they? They're ready to go. But they have things to do first. And Jesus says no one who has set hands to the plow, see, he's using an an agrarian image, isn't he? Someone who's begun the work. They've started. They've committed. Anyone who's done that, but then they look back because they haven't made adequate preparation. They're not really ready, even though they may think they are. He says, you're not fit for the kingdom of God. In other words, You're really not ready to follow me. You're not ready to commit to all that that entails. In all of Jesus' teaching on discipleship, this notion of taking up one's cross, counting the cost, knowing all that it takes to embark on a journey of discipleship with Jesus. Jesus constantly encourages people, his would-be followers, to make those necessary steps of preparation prior to committing to the call. We see that over and over again. And friends, the cost of following must be significant, is it not? Over three years to gain 12 close followers and a few others. Friends, the demands of Jesus on the life of the one who would say, yes, I will follow, are significant in total. There's no compromise. There's there's no room for my ego, for my agenda. There are no true, half-hearted followers of Jesus. It's all or nothing. And friends, whether, whether it's someone who is considering saying yes to Jesus for the very first time, or someone who has been a a follower of Jesus for years, friends, it's the same in that we constantly must take stock of where we are, of what is going on in our inner person, of whether day in and day out, moment by moment, we are willing and ready and able to say yes to Jesus without equivocation, without qualification, without excuse. And friends, to do that requires us to take spiritual inventory. Spiritual GPS, as it were. Because the demands of Jesus are significant. There's a cost to following. And then the question then remains for us is, are we ready? Are we prepared? Are we willing to say, yes, Jesus, even though I may feel anxiety and worry, I give it to you. Even though I'm not sure what tomorrow will bring, I give it to you. Even though I don't know what the diagnosis will be from the medical test I just had, I give it to you. Even though I don't know where my next meal will come from, 
Friends, this isn't pie-in-the-sky, wishful, uh, uh, unrealistic expectations. This is what Jesus asks of those who would follow him. Dietrich Bonhoeffer, uh, the great early mid-20th century Lutheran pastor and theologian who was killed by the Nazis in 1945, in this famous line from his book called The Cost of Discipleship, he said, when Jesus calls a man or a woman, when Jesus calls a man or a woman, he bids that person to come and to die. That's a great marketing slogan, isn't it? Want to follow Jesus? Come die. But friends, that's the cost of discipleship. It's nothing less than saying no to our needs and our desires, our wants, our desire for more, our own reputation, our good name. It's saying no to all of that and saying yes to Jesus. And here's the paradox of discipleship. It's when we say no to all that, we actually find everything that we could ever need and desire. We find that again and again. And Jesus teaches this way in discipleship, doesn't he? The first will be last. The last will be first. The lowly will be exalted. Why do we see in the Gospels when Jesus extends these calls to follow this discipleship? You know who's interested? It's the poor. It's the lowly. It's the children. It's the prostitutes. It's people who've been cast off from society and perhaps more than others, know their need. And they're willing to say yes. They want to know more about this Jesus. Friends, the call this morning, as, as ostensibly we all are, right? We're here this morning, we're following Jesus, or at least interested about Him. Know that whether you're thinking of Jesus seriously for perhaps the first time, or whether you've made a commitment years ago to be a disciple. It comes at a cost. It comes at a cost. Following Jesus doesn't necessarily get easier as you get older. It becomes different. It becomes more nuanced, perhaps. But there's always the cost. We see, friends, in the writings of Paul, what does Paul constantly say? I have learned, he says, when he writes to the church in Philippi, very likely writing from a jail cell. He says, I have learned in whatever situation I am in to be content. And actually that word content, the implication in the Greek is not only content, but thriving, vital, full of life. How can Paul say that? Because this is a man who has entrusted everything to Jesus. And even though he was beaten for the message of Jesus, thrown in prison, cast out of town, religious people spitting on him and mocking him, he didn't compromise. He continued to follow Jesus to the next town, where very likely the same things happened. And he would go to the next town. Because Jesus had gotten a hold of him. He was willing to say yes and to follow Jesus even if it meant pain and persecution. Friends, the call that was extended to the Apostle Paul is no different than the call given to us today. Each one of us, if you're a baptized Christian, if you've committed to following Jesus, you are also entrusted with the good news of Jesus Christ. You are called 
to form your life after the pattern of Jesus, to follow Him, to put your hands to the plow, to not look back on what was, but to look ahead to the promises and the riches of the grace of Jesus Christ, who has promised to be with us even to the end of the age. Fellow disciples, that's the call this morning. Are we ready? Are we ready? Have we taken stock of what it takes to make that day-by-day journey with Jesus? May we put our hands to that plow and not look back. Amen.